go to a little book toward the end of the Bible. It's called James. A little book at the end of the Bible. In fact, the easiest way to find it, the easiest... Now, don't let her get up and leave with that baby. She'll be trying to snatch that child. We've had to put an ankle monitor on her to keep her up with her. At the end of the Bible, if you go to the end of the Bible and start turning back to the left, it'll be easier to find James. It's a little bitty letter. Of course, when you go to real church, they call it uh, turn to the book of James, and I've got no problem with that. I've said it. It's a letter written by the little brother of Jesus. It's written by the little brother of Jesus. Now, any letter written that's found in the New Testament was written by God. That makes it worth reading, right? But the fact that this letter came from somebody who knew Jesus up close and personal, somebody that grew up with him scrapping, somebody that grew up with him playing, somebody that knew Jesus uh, 24-7 for his whole life, it gives me reason to believe this man knew what he was talking about. That when God speaks through him, you and I ought to pay attention. And it's interesting to me, Here's the little brother of Jesus having a chance to write a letter that's going to be placed in God's book. And he puts, what's the word I want? He makes his emphasis something real plain. It fits into this place real well. He says, let's get serious about this. Let's get real. This is not about how many times did you go to church this month. This is not about where do you attend worship. It's not about how much do you tithe. And, and tell me, what is, your, what is your favorite program in the ministries? And, and uh, uh, have you dressed proper, appropriately? Uh, and what I used to hear in church all the time was appropriate attire. I don't know what they have going to church has to do with my tires, but you had to have appropriate tires, right? <laughs> James, the little brother of Jesus, said, let me tell you what matters most is for you to be honest about it. Get real. Remember last week he says, don't just sit there and act like you're, you've heard it and you can go home now. No, you hear it and you, do you remember what he said? What's the phrase? Do what it says. Say it one more time so it sticks. Do what it says. It's not about, oh, I thought that was a very good sermon. I thought that was a very good worship service. I thought that was a wonderful praise moment. No, it's not any of those things we've grown up with. It's not any of those things. If we're going to sit with Jesus, if we're going to sit before God and hear some word from God, what God's in, he, it's not about how you dressed. He doesn't care how you dressed. He doesn't care what kind of car you drove up in or if you drove up in a car. He doesn't care what your... I'm serious. He doesn't care what your background is. He doesn't care what anybody thinks about you anywhere, anytime, anyhow. What he wants to know is are you ready to hear what he says and do what it says. One more time. Do what it says. Chapter 2. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Hang on. Time out. Time out. I don't think we do this enough. Tell me what the word glorious means. What does the word glorious mean? Give me our word. Don't give me another Bible word. Give me our word for glorious. Beautiful. Glorious. 
I'm part fabulous, glorious, magnificent, magnificent. glorious, outstanding, awesome, <laughs> glorious, praiseworthy. praiseworthy. Give me another one. I'm going to wait till we get settled. I want you to know you can't Google it. What does it mean, glorious? To be filled with glory. Somebody slap her. All right. <laughs> yeah, you'll, that'll do that. Whatever it means, whatever it means to you, he says that's who Jesus is. Have we lost that? Have we lost that view of Jesus? Have we come? Have we become? Have we made Jesus so? Um, normal that we don't see his glory we don't see how special he is we don't see how awesome he is we don't see how wonderful he is and I think that sometimes happens in churches I think we get in such a routine I think we get in such a routine I think we get such a, a, a structure of repetition that we lose sight of just how special Jesus is just how glorious it is just how awesome how outstanding all those words you said I think we've missed that. So stop just a second. If we do nothing else, catch your breath and tell me something. I, I don't want a Sunday school answer. I want it personal. I want it specific. Tell me something glorious. Tell me something amazing. Tell me something outstanding. Tell me something awesome about Jesus that you think is outstanding and awesome and glorious. Boy, he forgave me. Bernie? He gave you a new life. What's glorious about Jesus? That he chose to, I mean, he had what all of us want to be with God in heaven, and he chose to give that up and come to earth to live a lie amongst us so that he would understand and sympathize with me and die for me. Yeah. He gave all that up, and he chose to. Not ashamed of me. Not ashamed. That's, that's one of my favorites. The Bible says that. He's not ashamed of us. Yes, sir. He's never left my side. Never left your side. All those things and a jillion more that we could have said are how he starts this chapter. You think James, the little brother of Jesus, knows how glorious he is? You think he saw him up close and personal? You think he knows how glorious he is? He said, look at this. Don't show favoritism. Underline it, circle it, put a box around it. The glorious Jesus says, don't show favoritism. One more time. Don't show favoritism. Now, before we ever read anything, before we read anything, somebody tell me why we don't show favoritism. Those of us who want to claim that we think Jesus is glorious and those of us who claim to follow this awesome, glorious, outstanding, amazing, terrific Jesus. Tell me, how come we don't show favoritism? Say it. He doesn't show favoritism. Yes. Yeah, it, it, favorite, showing favoritism is showing somebody that you love them and somebody else you don't, Right? Well, keep reading. He said, let me give you an illustration, in fact. Don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. 
We don't got to worry about that. Okay. Uh, I'm just checking just to make sure in case there was somebody that we needed to check on. Um, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. Does that sound like us? All right. Keep reading. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Read that last phrase, judges with evil thoughts. That's what favoritism is. Favoritism is when you look at somebody and you make a judgment about them with an evil thought. Can I tell by how somebody looks I, I'm frustrated. I can't talk. I, I can't stand up. The doctor told me not to stand on this leg. I got yelled at Sunday. <laughs> and then yelled at by the doctor on Monday. <laughs> and shut up, Stephanie. <laughs> but it drives me crazy not to be move around. So, um, I'm about to show favoritism. <laughs> well, I think I already have had some evil thoughts. Um, when I look at somebody on the outside and I make a judgment about them because they look different than me and I draw an evil conclusion about them, that's favoritism. How do I tend to, how do I tend to react to people that I put in that category? Uh, rewind the tape, rewind the tape. Second, tell me what we, what, how do we do that? How do we, what do we tend to notice that causes us to do that? Okay, so I'm feeling convicted because this happened not too long ago, but apparently I show favoritism towards people that I think are pleasing, you know, like I can judge them and I'll be nice to them, you know, but I don't um, give them the benefit of the doubt and try to meet them where they're at. Oh, and I appreciate, and I've got to come. I've got to come back to what Kim is saying here, because the direction he's going here, he's talking to big church people who's saying, "Now listen, if there's a rich man, how do we tend to respond?" Rich people, people that have got it together. Oh, we think they're the best kind, and then we look at the poor guy and goes the other way. Kim's talking about doing it in reverse, and and we do. It's just as much a problem that way, right? You meet somebody and they've got it all together, and maybe they're cute, or maybe they're. Uh, smaller than us. There's a jillion things, right? Or maybe they've got more attention. I don't, it doesn't matter, but we look at them and what do we start doing? They're judging me. I think they're judging me, so what do I start doing? That justifies me doing what? Judging them. Whether they hadn't said a thing, but I assume, and I'll just let that word hang, I assume I assume that they're judging me. So I, I'm justified in judging them. Who else, do we, who else do we judge? Who else do we have those evil thoughts toward? Sometimes it's snooty white people. What else? I'm sorry? Cops. Somebody in authority. Somebody that has power. We look at that. Give me another one. Like? Ah, oh yeah, 
You see somebody, and it can happen. You see somebody in a relationship, and even if it's an unhealthy one, if you don't have one, what do you do? You feel jealous. You feel upset by that. Peter. Lex does it with everybody. Oh. <laughs> and she just said she did. She confessed it, yeah. I don't get on your nerves, so do I? Not at all. <laughs> Who else do we judge? Who else do we put those evil thoughts on? Whether it's how somebody looks, how somebody behaves, we make judgments about them that cause us to treat them differently than we would someone else. Jesus says that's favoritism. That's favoritism. And the glorious Jesus said what? Don't show favoritism. Now, honest, for most of my life I stood in churches where if I'd have asked that same question, here's what they would have said. People with a record, prison record, would that affect any of us? People that had been divorced, would that affect any of us? People that were struggling with addictions, would that affect any of us? That have been homeless, tattoos, missing teeth. I love to, I love to scratch. I said, tell me, tell me about your church. I said, we got more chairs than we got teeth. Uh, <laughs> we got, we got more stained carpet than we got stained glass. That's a, and that's us. All right. Now, point is, Jesus said, don't show favoritism. So whether it's me looking down on somebody because I think I'm better than them, listen to my words. Or I look down on them because I think they think they're better than me. Does that make sense? Whatever causes me to show favoritism is evil. Give her a donut. She got the right answer. Yeah, there you go. Keep reading. Listen, my dear brothers. Has God not chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom He promised? To those who love him, but you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are not they the ones who are dragging you into court? Are not they the ones that are slandering the noble name of him, uh, of him whom you belong? Now stop a second. He stays in his illustration, and in that case, in that situation, the rich man was getting all the attention, but the rich man was one of the problems. Showing favoritism uh, opens up your... Oh, and it's... It's going to sound mean. But showing favoritism opens you up to let somebody that can mistreat you into your life. Right? I show favoritism by 
hating that snooty person. But I'll let the woman or the man who won't work, who won't help with the bills, who won't be a good person, that won't break the addiction, I let them stay in my bed. I let them stay in my life. Do you see his point? I will show favoritism against somebody because I don't like I don't like them. I don't like the way they look. I don't like the way they looked at me. I don't like the way they thought or th what they thought they thought that they, they thought the thought the thought about me. But the point is, I will open up my heart. I'll open up my life. I'll open up my church. I'll open up my world to people who will mistreat me and damage me and do worse to me than that person that I look down on. Do you see his point? So here's what he says. Keep reading. Verse 8. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture. Now here's where you want to focus. We're not big here on rich and poor. We're not big here on... We're trying to learn not to be big on past and people's records and people's looks, people's attitude. We're trying to, we're trying to get through with that. We're trying to get over that. Here's the lesson. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. Underline the phrase, you are doing right. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. Jesus wrote it, Jesus spoke it, James repeated it and wrote it down for us so we could read it. You want to do something right? You want to do something right? Yes. Then you love your neighbor as yourself. You treat people right. You do what love does for people whether they do it to you or not. You love your neighbor as yourself, James. <laughs> I've heard folks teach that. I've heard folks say, well, you've got to love yourself before you can love anybody else. And I, I'm not going to fuss with that because I, I don't know that I even understand that. But I know Jesus says for me to love them as I would want to be loved. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that what he said? That's his teaching. He'll tell a story. We'll call it the story of the Good Samaritan, though the word good's not in it. It's obvious he's a good fella. He finds a fella that had been beaten up, and while other people overlooked him, over pe people went, walked past him, when the religious people and the righteous people and the rich people and the, uh, the church people and those snooty white people, when they walked past and didn't care, here's an old boy that would not have been welcomed at the family reunion, a Samaritan. He would not have been welcomed in most churches. He had been one of our elders, but he, he, showed up at our, he showed up and saw him and went and did for him what he needed done. And Jesus said, that's how you know what a neighbor is. That's how you define, define loving your neighbor. It's when you do for somebody else what you would have needed done for you. How do we, how do we, how do we fight favoritism? Love your neighbor. How do we fight making judgments with evil thoughts? Yeah, you love your neighbor. You see the good in them. You see, you see what that neighbor needs. 
and you try to give that to them. Keep reading. But if you show favoritism, you sin, and you're convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking it all. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. And if you do not commit adultery but do com do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Lots of words there to tell you what. Yeah, that's right. You're all messed up. You're all messed up. What you do is love your neighbor. Don't show favoritism and love your neighbor. He's making it as clear as he can. Let's quit looking at each other on the outside and let's start treating each other like we want to be treated. Let's start doing for each other what we know that we need somebody to do for us. Now let's practice for a second. Let's practice just for a second. Your very first time, and I want real stuff. I want real stuff, not theory. Your very first time through that door, that your very first time through that door, how would you feel? Very first time you came to a place that you recognize it's not a restaurant anymore. It's not a, it's not a bar. It's not a game room. It's a church. And you walk through that door the very first time. What was your reaction? Um, Darla grabbed me and gave me like the biggest hug and made me feel so welcome. And I ended up sitting there <laughs> and I was like, it made me feel so good. Before you got the hug, how'd you feel? I was nervous. Because? Because I didn't know anybody. Didn't know anybody, nervous, don't know how people are going to react to you, right? Any reason to believe any reason to believe that you would have been treated with favoritism or that somebody would have looked down on you? Yeah. Why? Just because I'm, I'm me. I mean, I'm, I've got not perfect. Yeah. You know, I... yeah, in fact, if you know things that went on in your past, even though nobody else does when you walk in, what are you carrying with you? Your guilt, your shame, your embarrassment, your fears, your insecurities. So you walk in carrying all of that, right? And if somebody looks at you funny, how do you interpret it? Do, 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 do. That's judgment, judgment, judgment. And they might not even, they just might have been saying, oh, her socks don't match. I don't know, you know? But when Darla, gave, we've talked about this. When Darla hugs you, there's something that, there's something, there's a, there's a Bible something taking place, and I want you to make sure you see it. It's not, it's not just the hug, because be real honest, there's some of you, if you start hugging people, they're going to quit coming, all right? So, um, so we, we're going to have a hug team and a go to the corner and sit until they're gone team, all right? Tell me, what, what do you know about Darla's hugs? Tell me what you get from Darla's hug. What do you get? They're real and acceptance. Yes, those are Bible terms. You get acceptance and you get affection and you get love. That's, that's what it's supposed to be, right? That's the way it's supposed to be. All right? First time you walked in, first time you walked in, not theory, first time you walked in those doors, how did you feel? on my due date with my daughter and I was a walking embarrassment 
I was a single teenage mother who just graduated high school, and I was terrified. I didn't talk to anybody other than my Aunt Ruby and my mom because that's the only people that I knew. But every single person in here, every woman who was pregnant at the time, because there was lots of them, came by and hugged me and asked me who my due date was. And then you made a joke about it. And what did I say? You said that if there's a stain on the carpet, it's because Danny went into labor. Yep. <laughs> First time here. Did this. But then Ruby asked We're just to real. prayers for me to make it through and for me and Charlie to come out safely. And everybody did. And they didn't even know me. Yeah. And you guys gave a sincere, heartfelt prayer for me and my child who you didn't even know. And that in itself, being a single teenage mom to be, is a feeling that you can't forget because of all the judgment you immediately get by just walking around. Did you, did you hear the phrase, I was a walking embarrassment? I remember that day. I don't remember being embarrassed by Danny. Did you? I, I don't remember being embarrassed. I remember being scared to death she'd go into labor and I was going to have to deliver. <laughs> I think it was after her being here we set the rule that in the last, you don't have to come to church. After the eight months, you stay at home. God doesn't mind you skipping church after that. Yeah. But how many people walk through that door feeling that way? How'd you... How'd you feel your very first time here? How'd you feel, Catherine? When I first came out, you know, I didn't think you'd be that small a church before. And my church was didn't want me in their church. Um, but I didn't want to hug. I didn't want to be touched when I got here. So I was pretty closed off. And I really didn't want to be here, but it was in the past. People walk in this door feeling all kinds of different ways. Some walk in angry, got a chip on their shoulder because of the way the world's treated them and the way some churches treated them. Some walk in feeling like they're an embarrassment. Some walk in just filled with guilt. Some walk filled with anger or fear. Don't know how people are going to treat them. Whose job is it to... Welcome them. Well, we'll have the deacons of the welcome. The greeting deacons will stand at the door and shake everybody's hand as they come in because that makes people feel so welcome. <laughs> I'm just clearing my throat. Well, let's make sure that we all have all the visitors stand up and then we'll all stand up and hug their necks, at least the ones closest to them. Who's responsible... I'm serious. Who is responsible 
for making sure that the man or the woman that walks through that door, little boy, little girl, don't care, they walk through that door, who is responsible for making sure they get loved on by Jesus? That's it. The, the, the answer is right. It's me. Now, you grew up, if you grew up going to church, you grew up knowing that there were people that are assigned to do that. And that preacher better make sure that people feel welcome. Well, we don't have a preacher, so let's get over that. Well, it's those, we don't, we don't have those folks. We don't have pastors. We got more pester than pastor. So what I want you to know, what I want us to see is, folks, it's not, we're, we're reading words about Jesus here that don't fit in the nice little stories that we teach our kids. This is real life church Jesus, and he's saying to you, people are going to walk through that door and they're going to feel embarrassed. They're going to feel afraid. They're going to feel mad. They're going to be sad. They're going to be guilty. And it's me. And I'm saying it right. It's me that is supposed to do what is right. And I do what is right by now loving my neighbor. Treating them, loving them like I wanted somebody to love me when I walked through the door. Keep reading. Speak and act. Verse 12. As those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom... Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Underline this last phrase and remember it. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Well, I have, I have a problem with your church. Join the club. I got more problems with this bunch than you even thought of, right? <laughs> Well, I've got a problem with the church. I think y'all emphasize mercy too much. Good, because we're going to win. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Well, you need to make sure. What do we need to make sure of? You need to make sure that those people are doing everything they're supposed to do is right. Okay, because I know you're doing that in your church. I guarantee it, right? Because they're dressed right and they sit in the right pew and they sing the right song in the right way at the right time and stand up, sit down, <laughs> when you do that, that guarantees that you're doing everything right, right? When you follow all the rules, you're doing everything right, right? No. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now does that mean there is not, does that mean there is not truth? No, there is truth. Does that mean that there's not obedience? No, there is obedience. Does it mean that you and I don't have to pay any attention or worry or care about anything other than just being nice to everybody? Yes, we got to make sure we're doing what is right. We do what it says. We do what is right. But when it comes down to it, when somebody walks through that door and they've made a world full of mistakes and they're struggling to overcome those mistakes and they're still weak in making mistakes... What do we do? We do what is right. You know what that is? We love them like we needed somebody to love us and show them mercy. Give them one more chance. Give them one more chance to become the person God created them to be. Give them one more chance. Give them one more chance. That's what I needed. 
today. Give them one more chance to become the person God created them to be. I grew up, I grew up going to church and honest, not, I mean, not being critical, not fussing at anybody. It's just the way I was raised. Most of the preaching I heard had to do with the rules that we kept inside the church building. That's why you hear me call them church house rules. There were certain things you did or certain things you didn't do. And here's what you did and here's how you did it. A lot of discussion about those kind of things. James just spoke from Jesus, glorious Jesus. You want to be a member of the church that's His church? Then you better be a member of a church that's like Him. And if you're serious about being that church, if you're serious about being, serious about being that disciple, if you're serious about being that person, then hear what Jesus has to say. And he says, you do what it says. And chapter 2 says, do what is right. And you do what is right by loving that person and doing for them the very things that you needed somebody to do for you. And may God help us remember that mercy is always, always triumphs over judgment. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thanks for tonight, for these folks, their, their attention, for our time together. Father, I want to learn this. I don't want to just teach it. I don't want to just read it. I don't want to just mark it in my Bible I want to I want to do it I, I guess I just have to ask help me help all of us we want to be like Jesus toward our each other we want to be like Jesus toward folks that come in for the very first time or some folks that we may never see again and be their last time help us be like Jesus it's in his name we pray amen now, while I've got you seated, before we do anything else, I, uh, we don't do much by a clock around here, and we're not going to start. But we sometimes have teachers that have materials worked up, and they, they really need to finish that. So let's be sensitive of that. Uh, well, let's let, they're not going to steal your kids. Let's let them have that time to finish that thought, because it may be that last point. It may be that last discussion that helps that child learn what they need to learn from God. So plenty of daylight left, right? Uh, let's, uh, let's be considerate of that. And hug somebody whether you like them or not.